0: Doing to create your dream life or your best self? Why do we see some thrive through challenges while others struggle? Welcome to Effort, a podcast where I talk about the main F's in my life that have helped me in creating my best self: faith, family, forgiveness, food, fitness, and formula. Hi, my name is Amy Ladine, and most would say that I've had my fair share of struggles. Whether it was placing my baby for adoption at eighteen. Facing my marriage ending affair or battling stage four cancer for almost seven years, it's safe to say that I've been through a lot. Join me as I take you through my story, my journeys, and share with you the tactical strategies every single week that will help you thrive and overcome anything you face. That's right, I'm gonna show you how to create a future self that you'll be proud of. So buckle up, get ready for the ride as I take you through my story and bring other guests on that have helped me along the way. Okay guys, so It doesn't matter how many times I've shared this story, my story of infidelity, whether it be on a podcast or with a friend, that my heart rate doesn't go up a little bit as I start talking about it. And I think it's just because this is a hard topic. It's a hard topic to share. It's a a hard topic because I wanna make sure that I, I have the right tone and the right energy around what I'm saying so that you really feel me and know how hard this time in my life was and how it still affects my family today. I had the opportunity to go on a podcast called Operation Dichotomy. And Operation Dichotomy, what really interested me in saying yes to talking about the affair was that Paul Kim, the podcast owner, wants to bridge the gap between all the misconceptions in our world that really caused division and conflict. And, you know, infidelity is one of those where people say once a cheater, always a cheater, or they make assumptions about people with it. And when he came to me with just their message and their mission, I knew that it was one that I wanted to go on. What I didn't know is it would go on to be one of his most downloaded podcast episodes. And so I asked Paul if I'd be able to bring this one over to my audience, because I do feel like it's one that, so many people need to hear because whether you've been someone that maybe you are someone that has had an affair, maybe you're married to someone or has been in a relationship with someone that has, maybe it's been a parent. But it, to me, it seems like more and more I've seen someone have an effect with infidelity, and so this is why I wanted to bring this one over. And what better way than an interview style where someone can ask me the hard questions and be able to give answers back. So I hope you enjoy it. I hope that you get something out of this and you know, share this with someone that you think might be struggling or that you think might need this message. This is definitely one that will go down for me as one of the most impacting you know, podcast episodes. And, you know, probably the most vulnerable I've been at that point with it and how that was also freeing, you know, to just be able to share that. And in hopes that people would understand my sorrow and really see just the struggle and the challenges that come in the aftermath of an affair.
1: Hey everyone, you're listening to Operation Dichotomy. I'm Paul, I'm your host, and we are the bridge between perception and reality. Before we get started with our amazing guest today, uh, there's a few things that I want to share real quick logistically. Uh, First of all, thank you so much for tuning in again and listening to whatever that we're gonna talk about today. I know you all have a lot of different things to do. So the fact that you're here listening to us, it's a huge honor, so thank you. If you haven't already done so, please go ahead and subscribe to the podcast And if there has been any value taken away, please go ahead and leave us a good five-star review as well. And last but not least, uh, if you aren't on our newsletter already, uh, head over to operationdichotomy.com and sign up for our newsletter. We'll be sending you updates about what's going on, including cool podcasts like today. And I promise we won't spam you with junk. Okay. Now that that is out of the way, uh, let me take a second to introduce our guest, Uh, She is someone, to be honest with you, I am sitting here a little bit sweaty just because I'm so excited and and a little bit nervous to talk with her and to her about whatever she's going to talk about. Um, Her name is Amy Ledeen. She is a mother of six. She is a wife. She is a cancer survivor. She's a multi-million dollar business owner. She is in health and wellness coaching, specifically physique transformation coaching. She is a car enthusiast. Uh, she is married to a Redskins fan, which is awesome, even though she is not, but that's, that's not important for today. Um, and I, I've seen her and I've heard of her called as the cyborg, which, uh, man, there's so many stories that we could tell about Amy, but let me stop there because I'll just talk by myself for the whole hour and this is going to be stupid. So Amy, thank you so much for being with us today. How are you doing?
2: Great. Thank you for having me, honestly. And hey, I'll I'm I'm my second team is Redskins, so I'm I'm okay. partially
1: good. <laughs> yes. Okay. You're accepted today. All um, right. Usually people have Amy on her or their show to talk about coaching and how she survived cancer and how she did these amazing, amazing things. Um later we're going to share a little bit about her contact information so you could connect with her and follow that stuff as well, just because it's so interesting and amazing to follow. Uh, but today, we're going to talk about something that I personally have never heard anything about from anyone. And just to dive right into it, we're going to talk about marital infidelity. Um, so first of all, Amy, thank you so much for being with us here and not only being with us, but being so vulnerable with your story. Uh, honestly, I don't know what people have heard about marital infidelity in general. I'm sure they have so much um, so many assumptions about people who have affairs, about what happens around affairs, and all these kinds of different things. But I want to share a perspective that's different, right, from a perspective of someone that's been through it, um, who is, I guess, in a unique situation in the way that everything turned out, which we'll talk about. Um, but without further ado, Amy, tell us a little bit about maybe your background and how how okay. all this happened.
2: Yes. Um, One thing you touched on, which I will say is, I hope everyone does go into this with, honestly, an open mind. I, you know, this last year, people not knowing maybe my story, I had um, a a friend that was, you know, in a mastermind with me that she was talking, there was someone well known, a well known kind of personal development person that had just kind of come out that this person had had an affair. And she was just, you know, like, I don't, I can't believe people that are supporting this person because of what this person has done. And I stopped her and I told her my story and she immediately felt like she was, you know, eating a piece of humble pie. And it was simply because the person that she sees today is a person that she loves, you know, and she was so sad that, you know, cause I said to her, Oh, I would have loved to have a friend back in my time to kind of just even just be there for me through the time. And because she was just saying that no one should be supporting this person. And she was like, wow, you know, so I'm glad that we're having this, you know, it's one of those conversations that it makes me nervous. But at the same time, you know, I know it's important, because I don't want people to go down that path that, you know, I went down. Um, To give you a little bit of history, I was I was married before, for 15 years to a military um, submariner. So I was a military wife for 15 years and we did the, you know, he'd be out deployed for a hundred days at a time. And so I really lived a marriage of like kind of the part-time spouse. And I was, I was, you know, content with that. I, I wouldn't say we had a lot of marital issues in terms of fighting or arguments. He's a very easygoing, I mean, everyone loves Kevin that meets Kevin and he's just an, an easygoing Hawaiian guy. Mm-hmm. And, um, so we didn't have a lot of issues. And if I'm looking back of it from like just now knowing what I know with therapy, I obviously was still just so much in the subconscious, like just on autopilot, not dealing with any of my former issues or, you know, things I need to deal with growing up, because I do believe your system is super important to identify with. And a lot of therapists like good therapists will say, what's your system? Where do you come from? Because mm-hmm. you could go in with issues. But if they don't know where you're coming from, they need to see what's been modeled and you know, how, how you've gotten to here. And I never had gone through that. What I do know is from a child, I was, um, I ran away a few times as a kid, which I, I only mentioned because I try to frame why we get to some of these places in the breakdown. Um, I got pregnant in high school. And I think that was probably the beginning of the breakdown of my self worth. I grew up in a pretty Um, you know, strict religious home that we knew that that's not something you do. And so with that happening, a lot of condemnation on myself, unforgiveness on myself starts to cause you to, you know, just, I mean, I'm a big believer. And when you love yourself, you want to take care of yourself. The best version of you does show up. That's the real self-love. Self-love isn't just looking in the mirror and saying it like you have to earn it from yourself. And I didn't have any of that, that broke down, but I carried that into my marriage and carried all these things. And and for 15 years, it worked. Um, I've always been an achievement based person. Um, super, super driven. Even in high school, I was student body president, you know, I got straight A's, you know, um, and I really that was my attagirl growing up, even I'm even attracted to that in coaching, I, I tend to like the more aggressive coach. And I didn't realize like, you're kind of mirroring like what you're looking for in your parents. So I think I was chasing a lot of that. Fast forward, I find Eric um, online. I had already lost a hundred pounds or ninety pounds on my own um, through Weight Watchers, and really just did it by myself. And then got to a place where I didn't really know how to maintain it, so I was seeking out a coach. Found Eric online. I was really attracted to his no nonsense coaching. Super super smart, and we became friends um, through the coaching because it was online. And this is back in the day when we didn't have. Um, instagram or facebook so we had forums so you really actually become good friends with someone just via typing because even back then this just shows my age texting was like the digits where you had to do a a, a you know one oh, one one
3: yeah. it
2: was crazy i mean when i got my palm trio that like changed the world that i could actually you know text someone mm-hmm. but we didn't have a lot of that we had a lot of conversations and you know it in a fair when someone has an affair you realize that the person, it's just a symptom to a bigger problem, like my problem in not learning to self-love, not learning to just be okay with me. Instead, I was seeking out. So when I started to get that attention mm-hmm. and again, not even realizing it, we're just kind of friends. You know, there's things that Eric and I have looked at over the years where we're like, there's some certain rules we should have had in our own marriages at that time yeah. was, you know, we became friends. Um, I think that the first mistake we both made was talking about our marriages, you know, to someone of the opposite sex. I think that that's a slippery slope. I mean, I don't want to go out and say a bold statement of you shouldn't have friends of the opposite sex, but I think. If it is a friendship that molds after marriage, and it is of the opposite sex, I can't help but argue that most men won't become real good friends with someone you're not physically attracted to. I just don't know if you'd even initially have strike up a conversation. I just say that though, knowing that there could be lots of debate. But um, we became friends. We then vented to each other because when I lost my weight, my husband loved me regardless of what weight, but I Felt like I need, like, so when he wasn't giving me that, like, attention, I guess, I guess I was, and it wasn't physical, it was more like my hard work. I'm not a big, like, I don't like someone to, you know, someone gives a cat call or tells you you're attractive or any hit, you know, like, you know, flirting lines. That never, over the 15 years of my marriage, ever, ever made me cross the line. I never flirted with anyone. I've never had any other issue before this affair. So just, I'll let that be known. Like, that just Mm -hmm. never was something that was even in like my mind. And so we started having conversations and, you know, just, you know, then you start comparing marriages because, and and you're probably giving a filter on it. That's not really even accurate. And so then what does the other person do? They validate it. Oh, he should be, you know, noticing your hard work and vice versa. I was doing the same for him. We both were filling the void that we weren't having at home. Mm -hmm. Um, Fast forward. We knew we had an attraction to each other, but we also being Christians knew like, okay, how are we going to, like, we can't do this. Like, cause we'd, we had cross the line, you know, physically kissed. And then we're like, we can't, we can't do this. This is wrong. You know, totally. We, what, how are we going to be friends? Our mistake was still probably saying, oh, well, we can still be friends. And let's, so let's all become friends as spouses. Let's, let's bring Kevin wow. and Laura into it. And let's totally like, we know we are, we, we believe in marriage. We don't believe in divorce. I mean, Eric grew up also in like a, a very, um, you know, strong Christian home that like, I mean, really you do not believe in divorce. Like you, you work it out, you, you know, all of that. And so that was really ingrained in us as well. Um, fast forward, you know, Eric and Laura had even come down to visit us at our house. You know, we were, like I said, all of us, you know, were friends and, um, but
1: wait, wait, wait sorry. It, can you can yeah. you elaborate on that a little bit? Like, how what was the friendship like? How were you guys all friends? How did you did you find Eric through just Google or because you were friends? Or
2: well, I found him through the coaching, so I was working mm-hmm. with him as a client. Okay. And back then, you know, um, online, you really get to know. I mean, that coach because you know, in the bodybuilding and figure world, it's a pretty small area. And I would say that most of them are pretty hyper focused and like interested in their area. And that's why forums back then, just like car forums, if you're really interested in some sublet thing, you can find it. And so I found him through the Oxygen magazine forums. He was the head oh, okay. moderator there. Gotcha. His name was Thunder and everyone knew him because he was a big dog moderator that like Thunder. answered all the questions. Yeah, Thunder. <laughs> okay. It's funny, right? And so he was just the expert there. And so he had a wait list to even work with him at the, you know, it was just You know, you, you knew that with him. And so I, since I'd already lost all the weight, I became really, I was passionate too. I was teaching boot camps for the military. So we already had a lot in common. I was teaching girls locally what he was doing online. Mm -hmm. So I started to just even from a business standpoint, really connect with him. Like I started a recipe blog on his website. It was before anything happened with us, you Mm -hmm. know, romantically. I was doing a web, you know, I did blogging for him. Um, I helped create what we now have as a business, our food sub calculator. Like I did a lot there, Mm -hmm. and I think because I was achievement based, that was uh, it was filling a void. I liked being, you know, needed, not in a physical way. Mm -hmm. So, and the reason why I even mention that is sometimes, like, what we think we're looking, you know, we we let our guard down. Like if I would have known that, say, that achievement based thing is it's something that is like an underlying trigger for me. Mm-hmm. Then I need to be really careful with that and be aware of even like coaching relationships I have because, yeah. you know, they got to be the best, you know, not that Eric wasn't at the best interest for me at the time. I mean, when it was just the professional coaching relationship, you know, so be it. But moving forward, that's how we became, you know, friends.
1: When did Kevin and you said Kevin and Laura, you guys are all friends, right? When did they come into the picture as friends?
2: Um... Eric and Laura decided to come down for Halloween or Thanksgiving one year. We okay. were filming. Eric and I were gonna film some stuff for his business together. Mm-hmm. So like I was helping with stuff and they came down to visit. And so that was like the first introduction to you know Laura. God and 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 he already knew Kevin because I had gone to a few um like bodybuilding shows with with Kevin and met and met Eric for the first time. Like we drove to Atlanta and met Eric for the first time in person that year. So he knew him. So, so we all knew each other. So that year for Christmas, so this is after we've, you know, we've already had some physical, but we've promised to not do it because we really like the friendship. That's really stupid. If I'm being honest, you know, um, And then fast forward to Christmas and um, Eric has two tickets to a Redskins game. This is ironic that you're a Redskins. You're really (laughs) going to die at the irony of this. And um, he wanted to go with, you know, he was like, Laura wasn't a a football fan. And so she was like, you know, you guys can go. So we went to the game together, which again, that would be red flags for me now. If my husband came home now today and said, hey, can I go Mm -hmm. to a game with so-and-so, of the opposite sex you know but i think you know again when you look at the breakdown of a marriage in the past like you know looking in the rear view mirror you realize there was a breakdown even before that because you know laura allowing to go and then my husband said you guys should just stay in a hotel like totally trusting oh, wow. said you guys should just stay in a hotel you're driving up from virginia beach go ahead and stay in a hotel oh wow and that was, I mean, and I'm just being completely honest. I knew very well what I was doing. We drank at the game and that was to cope with the feelings that we were having and what we were, you know, probably going to do. And so that we wouldn't have to feel that because I wasn't really a big drinker either was Eric in terms of like, I mean, it wasn't like in my life really prior to that, prior to the the affair. I mean, I, I don't joke, but I, I, I mean, I joke that, I mean, that was really when I was drinking was just to cope with the guilt because mm-hmm. you do come back to knowing what is right from wrong, you know? So fast forward to the game, we we stay in a hotel. I can't even believe I'm sharing this here, but we slept together that night, okay? Now the next day he left to go back, I mean, you know, we went back down to Virginia and then he left to go back to Canada. Remember he's living in Canada, I'm in mm-hmm. Virginia. We only see each other when we're, you know, Like once a month, but always communicating, um, feeling awful about it. I don't even think we really even wanted to talk about a lot of, you know, like there was some distance there for a few days, but again, trying to be friends and not knowing how to even, like, okay, now we're, I mean, I've crossed the line that I swore in my life I just would never do. Like, I'm, and then you're just dealing with the self hate and you don't know how to even get through that. Um, Fast forward in my life at the time, my husband was going through rehab. He was active duty in the military, had gotten, um, a major, I mean, they had been masking his pain for a couple of years. And so they were putting him on Oxycontin hmm. while he was going through all that in that past year. Um, they finally had agreed to send him to veterans affairs for like a rehab, like a, because they really got him addicted to the Oxycontin. And now at this point he was on like 12 different drugs to deal with, like, you know, um, he would just have like tremors and he had to be put on Valium and long story short, he's gone prior to leaving for that because we'd just been sleeping in separate rooms. Cause even when I went to the football game, er, Kevin and I were kind of, I mean, we weren't like sleeping in the same bed, knowing not, you know, like we knew that we were probably going to separate, but we weren't, it wasn't, we weren't letting it be known because it was like Eric, you know what I'm saying? Like he wouldn't have ever thought that. So when he was leaving for the rehab, I, you know, told him that I would be um, you know, getting my boot camp started, because he was leaving for like, you know, I think it was six to eight weeks, getting my li- my local boot camp started. And once I could financially support myself, you know, I would find a place and stuff, and we'd talk when he get home because there was no argument. When he got home from rehab, which by the way, while he was gone is when I found out I was pregnant. So oh. that was so while he's gone to rehab, I'm there with the two kids at home. I started having some morning sickness and, but not thinking it's morning sickness and keep in mind, I have two older kids. I have already had, um, two ectopic pregnancies and I've had a fallopian tube removed and we were told we would just not have any more kids. So I have basically like a nine-year-old and, um, we're told we'd just never have kids. So when I, meaning my body. So when I start throwing up, I'm not thinking this is even anything. Well, apparently I had texted Eric saying, Oh, I threw up this morning. He said he did have a moment of oh, like a wave of, oh my gosh, just, you know, is was like, I didn't even think that. Like, I really didn't even think it. Fast forward, I go to take pregnancy tests. It's positive. I mean, I'm hard to really even, I mean, I don't want to stay so logical right now so that you can feel like, I don't even think I can even describe the feelings I felt. I really felt like my life was over. Like I literally, I, I legit thought, this is it. I can't even face tomorrow. Like I cannot face it because you got to keep in mind, I got pregnant in high school. So an unwanted pregnancy was already like a trick. Like now it's like, oh my gosh, I'm triggering old feelings of old Amy. And now I'm, I feel like I'm, I mean, I even was saying to myself, am I white trash? Like, am I really this trashy? Am I really this horrible of a person? Like how could you even do something like this? And I had one friend locally that was going through a traumatic loss of her son to cancer during that time that she was the one person I decided to confide in. Mm -hmm. And I told her what was going on. And initially she said, you need to go get an abortion. Like we need to go like right now. Like you cannot do this to Kevin. Like, look what I know you are, you know, a Christian, but Amy, like you've got two older children. This will ruin their life. It will ruin Eric's life. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, Didn't place a baby for adoption all those years ago, and that's just not. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, what you do in your life. Hey, that's okay, but this is just not something that you know I could do after all these years of placing a baby for adoption. You know, Mm
3: -hmm. but
2: she was like, "Listen, I'm, I'm headed to St. Jude's for the weekend. When you get back, we'll talk again." Because she was leaving for cancer treatment with her son. Comes back Monday and says, "I need to talk to you. You can't do it." And I said, "Well, I'm not going to." And she says, "I'm losing my son, and I want you to know that. I mean." God will make this work out for you. Like it's going to work out. Like you have to have to face this. And in the meantime, mm. I reached out to Eric that day, you know, cause again, we're long distance. So I had to call him and tell him, I said, I have news to tell you. I took a pregnancy test and it was positive. And I, he, he, he always tells the story that he was drunk within a couple hours, like just not being able to even face it. But the one positive was, you know, later when we were able to talk again, he said, we can't do anything like stupid. Like you can't go to Planned Parenthood. He's like, Amy, we can't cover a mistake with another mistake. Like, believe me, I'm not wanting to face this right now. Like I'm scared to death just like you are, but it is a little bit of a relief and like, it, like, it has to come out, you know, like it is, it has to, because that's the thing, like an affair is, and you're a living just, it's a horrible life, because you're also like, I mean, all of us have some core values. I grew up with some core values. So you know, right from wrong. So when you're not living it, you have to like, like, really try to hide this, the, you know, it's like this small voice that tells you the good to do, because, you know, it's the only way you can kind of, I guess, stay afloat. It's hard to explain. But from there. Um, so when Kevin got home from rehab, I, we both agree that we would tell our spouses the same night. We were scared to death. You know, we were like, we got to tell them the same night because if they contact each other, I don't want Eric, I don't want Kevin to hear it from Laura. Right, right. I don't want Laura to hear it. We didn't know how crazy they would go. You know, you were always thinking worst case scenario, right? Like you just don't know what's going to happen. So he gets home from rehab and Kevin says to me, I'm fine. You know, I want to sit down and have a co- talk with you. I'm finally ready to commit to the marriage.
1: Oh my gosh.
2: And that just hit me like, and this is, you know, cause he'd been kind of just checked out, like I said, for, and not that it excuses anything. And so I said, I have something to tell you, you know, and he was surprised that it was, I said, I'm, I've been having an affair. <clears throat> he's like, you have. And I'm like, yeah, it's been going on. And I said, it gets worse. I said, I'm pregnant. And he's like, well, you know, and he's like, with who, you know, and I told, I said, Eric, and he goes like, Eric, Eric, you know, our Eric, you know, mm. And um, he didn't say much, you know, we, um, you know, Laura, she guessed it, she knew, you know, she said, it's, it's Amy, isn't it, you know, so she kind of had that feeling, but not having her own confidence in herself, because we learned this all through, like, you know, I want to have her on my podcast eventually to talk about this is even her own lack of worth, didn't allow her to even stand up. To Eric in that time, and you know what I mean, and stand up for herself yeah. and be like, I don't want you going to the football game with Amy, I don't want you hanging out, you know, and probably Kevin too, to some degree, you know, like mm-hmm. not being able to stand up for certain rules in your marriage. And so, you know, from there, um, it was a really hard pregnancy, you know, a really hard thing on the families because at first, we both being like, I've been married 15 years, I'm like, we have to at least try. And and being in a culture where Kevin was Hawaiian, he was at first initially like, hey, I'll raise Leilani. Like I will help raise her, which was amazing. So we started counseling. The problem was when people have an affair, the first thing a therapist is going to say to you is you got to cut that off. Mm -hmm. You can't have any communication. When you have a child involved, there's a permanent communication a permanent reminder it's hard to then disconnect your feelings and all of that and so through our own therapy we came to the conclusion that we would be better at that point as divorcing you know that it did it wasn't contingent on on Eric and I didn't want that just for my own personal you know both of us were like we need to make decisions that are just you can't just jump right into another relationship because it's kind of like my whole you know mission right now is if you can't fix yourself, I mean you're not gonna be able to get into relationship and and, and be a, a positive influence there. And so when you have an affair, think about it, you're both living in a lie. Hmm. You start off a relationship with the crappiest foundation possible. And we knew that. I mean, I looked up stats. I'm like, if we are going to try to make this work, like we have to change who we are
3: hmm.
2: because these two people don't have any self-worth and self-respect because people that respect themselves don't have affairs. People that respect themselves don't cheat. They just, they just don't, you know, you have that. And we need to learn, we need to get to the bottom of that for both of us. And so between, but Laura was not the same. And I think that females are different, you know, I mean, for her, I was the obstacle in the way. And so for my whole pregnancy, you know, like, not that Eric came down often, but he did come down when we found out the sex because, you know, even though we didn't know what we were going to do, you know, he was like, I want to be a part of that. And that was not something she at that time wanted him to be a part of at all. And, you know, I mean, rightfully so. Her wounds were so deep and she felt like if, well, if, you know, most people think the person is the problem. And so it's like, well, if Amy's not in the way, I can save my marriage.
3: Hmm.
2: You know, if, if Amy's not a part of it, I can save my marriage. And so, you know, they had toyed around with the idea of maybe even, you know, a season of no contact with the baby. That's kind of what, you know, initially her, what was what she wanted was no, no contact. And, and Eric was like, I can't, that's something I can't not do. Like, it's my child. It's my responsibility. Mm-hmm. I need to be a part of her life. And so they both had to come to that crossroads of she still really did want the marriage. And, you know, I think now, fast forward years, you know, it's been almost 10 years. She would say that she wanted it for the sake of the marriage, not really that it was, it had been broken down years before, hmm. but that it's that fear, you know, of failing and the fear of being alone and, you know, what's wrong with me. Cause again, we always make it about us. Like, right. you know, even though you tell the person this has nothing to do with you, the person's going, yeah, right. It has everything to do with me you know, and so for her, so for that first year, um, you know, he would come like, even after I had the baby. So after the baby was born and after Leilani was born, I mean, I would say that the days around that were probably the lowest of my life. Like I thought maybe the pregnancy was bad, but no, having a baby when your life is in shambles essentially, because it's like, I've got, you know, an ex-husband that's trying to bring his, we were still married, but like just separated bringing my two older kids to see me at the hospital with a baby that doesn't belong to you.
3: Right.
2: Imagine how horror, I mean, I was, I just wanted to crawl into a hole oh, because he was being such a good person. And I was just, I didn't feel like I was even worthy of that. You know, I'm like, how am I even deserving of you being so amazing right now in a moment? You know, and I think, you know, force. sorry, I'm getting emotional, but oh. I think the bottom line with both of them and with even with Eric, the four of us is we finally decided that we had to put our kids first. Huh. And putting your kids first means that their relationship actually comes first. And you learn in the foster care system that believe it or not, like the first priority when foster children get put up for placement, their first goal as a core system is to keep siblings together because the bond between that blood and sibling is just Far too powerful. Like it's more important to do that, you know, and that value on that really mattered to us. I wanted Leilani, I I knew that Leilani was going to grow up already feeling different. Think about it. She has two older siblings that are, you know, my kids that kind of feel like she broke up the marriage subconsciously. Okay. And then you've got two kids in this other marriage, that same thing. Because of you and because of your mommy, meaning me, my family no longer is together. Like that's what the child, you know, in their, in their eyes. And so for us, we, we dealt with a lot of, you know, for starters, my two kids were older, they were nine and like 12. So they, they at least conceptually kind of got it. So Kamelee, my, she's now turning 17. She did not, she went from loving Eric to not speaking to Eric because in her eyes, you are what stands between my mom and dad. And so, and this, again, this is where Kevin is just so amazing. And I just remember this is, for example, when we told the kids that I was pregnant, we waited a few months and then he came to me and he said, I want to be the one to do most of the talking if you don't mind. And I'm like, that was nice. Why, you know, what are you going to say though? I'm a little nervous. And he goes, I need to take some of this responsibility. And I go, no, no, no. And he goes, no, I need you to hear me out. I'm doing this not for me. I'm doing this. I mean, I'm doing this for the kids and for you because right now, Amy is a pivotal moment that your kids could really dislike you and really blame you for a lot of things. Or I can take some of that for you because I see the greater good of your kids loving you. I think you're a good person.
3: Oh my gosh.
2: So he sat down and started the conversation and really took 50% of the responsibility. Honestly, he said, it takes two. This didn't happen just with mom's doing and. Not that they understood a lot of it, but then even further. So then he did that. And then after I had the baby and Eric had come down one time, Kamali was totally like being silent and not speaking to him. He took her to the side. Kevin didn't said, listen, I have no problem. Like he tried to show that he was fine with Eric. And again, even though he'd talked to Eric and was like, we're not really fine, but I am doing this for my kids. I am showing them that I'm okay with you because right now she has issues with loyalty and she wants to be loyal to me, but she wants to love you. And I'm okay with that. Like, I need to be okay with that. And that was just him biting the bullet to be the bigger person, just seeing what was more important for our family at the time. Laura, and that was tough. I mean, Laura, that first year we respected, like, Alyssa and Christian did not meet Leilani when she was turning one years old we really wanted them to meet because we were going to, you know, it was more about, we, we tried to, cause she just wanted to protect even her whole life. She, a lot of her friends didn't know what was going on. She was, you know, everyone, everyone takes on shame, even the person that's victimized, she's the victim here. And she took on shame of like, you know, cause we all think it's our fault. So a lot of her even like friends didn't even know that she was going through this divorce where there was like a baby involved. <clears throat> and so she just didn't really talk about it. And you know, it was just again, both of all of us like social media wasn't super popular back then. So you gotta remember, like I was able to hide it somewhat. Yeah. But what you know, whereas now, I mean, it would, you know, be everywhere. And so we kind of projected that. But at the year he finally did put his foot down because she was still having a hard time. And he said, Listen, I don't want you to look back as the mom and your kids ask you, why did you not let us meet our sister? Why did you not let us be a part of her life? We see pictures from like four years old on or five. Why not? And so that was when she was like, okay. So we met all of us for the first time. the five, My kids, his kids, and Leilani when she turned one at her first yeah. birthday. And they flew down. And <clears throat> And I know that had to be one of the hardest weekends for Laura because yeah. she had to let her two older kids and a hard weekend for my ex to see us all hang out together you know i mean it just it was so hard for both of us because it was like you knew you needed to rip off certain band-aids like i knew i needed to tell my ex to move out like even though he's living in a separate room like when i was getting ready to have the baby like we both had to have some separation there because he needed to have more self-respect for him you know respect for him and 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 same with laura like it was just it was hard when kids are involved it's easier said than done people say like oh if you had an affair i'd leave You don't know that there is more involved. I can't say both Eric and I cannot say that had not been a baby involved. I don't think I would be divorced because I do believe in working on everything. And especially where I am now, when I'm living in the conscious and I'm able to go through therapy and work through healing child wounds. I know I would have been able to make my marriage work. Like I just would have, but that's not, you know, I mean, that's it's not, not the case not for happened, everyone, yeah. right? No, you know, and so it it. That's why when people are like, "Wow, you guys made it work," we're like, "You have no idea, like where it's been, you know, from then." Because there's the dynamics. I mean, even a couple years later, there's just still wounds. Now this year, we're able to still, you know, talk about it. Like on Leilani's birthday, you know, we had my ex here, and and Laura came to the party, and we were sitting around, kind of reminiscing about the day, and we've never really done that with them because it wasn't really like, that was a totally different day for them. A day when we're bringing a baby into the world really defined some massive changes for them, you know, Mm -hmm. permanently, permanently adding a half brother. I mean, a half sister, you know, to Christian and Alyssa's life and to, you know, my, my two older children. And so, but we were able to talk about it and it showed us the growth, you know, because they were like, you know, what was, what was that like, you know, going through that because it was a really lonely time, you know, outside of him, I had one friend that came to the delivery because, you know, Eric was in Canada. And when I was going to go into labor, he was going to travel, but we didn't know if he would, you know, be there. So he did end up making it, but after being interrogated through like customs and all that, because he, he got to the border and decided to you know tell the truth, obviously. And they're like, what's your reason for visit? And he said, well, my, I'm having a baby, my girlfriend's oh, having man. a baby." And then they took him in for questioning because they're thinking like he's a flight risk or something. So he almost didn't make it. But, you know, just that whole, you know, going through that and then transitioning, you know, fast forward. We didn't get together until we were married um, when Leilani was two and a half. So we went through a phase of making sure that we had to start working on ourselves. Mm -hmm. Like you can't, you know, we had to, which it was kind of probably a blessing that he was living distant, you know, I, I was a single mom, you know, for that two and a half years, you know, dating him, but really like needing to focus on the breakdown of, I, I didn't want to repeat that. You know, I don't want to have, because it was a blind spot that, I mean, I promised my whole life that that was not something I would do. Mm-hmm. I, I watched my dad have an affair. And so that's why it made it even harder for me to understand why I would do it. I watched my family fall apart, literally, And so you would think that that would just be ingrained to be, you know, so scary. Ironically enough, Eric's father also had two affairs that he Uh remembered seeing. I think I was kind of still too young to really even understand what was going on in my parents' dynamic other than them coming to us and saying, you know, we were divorcing. But in Eric's case, he did see that between his parents and, you know, it's, it's, not fascinating in a positive way. It's fascinating in that you can watch something like that and still go down a life of repeating that, you know, or having that behavior in your life, you know? And so we're really honest with our kids because our, our young ones were really young when we got together and those questions will come up. Why, you know, what happened to you and mom, you know, especially for like his little, you know, Christian and Alyssa, you know they don't really remember that life but there there are lots of questions around you know what made the marriage break down you know and at the same time my older kids being able to see the happiness that eric brings for me you know i it, coming full circle and my daughter saying you know i know we we love dad and we you know but i'm happy to see you so happy with with eric and you guys seem like you're just so great together and laura saying that to me a couple of years ago her and I, you know, having a, a serious heart to heart. And she said, I have to say something that I didn't think I'd ever say, which was, I think you guys are great for each other. She's like, you bring out the best oh. in Eric. She's like, he really wants to be a better person. She's like, he didn't really try, stri- like he he didn't try to be better for me. You know, mm-hmm. like Eric is trying to be a better himself, you know, wants mm-hmm. to level up because of that. and And that, you know, felt really good to hear. You know, but still reminding her it had nothing to do with you. I think it's so important for people to remember that it really has nothing to do with your partner. Like it mm-hmm. isn't a fifty fifty. It's the breakdown in you. In you know
1: Oh man, okay, hold on, hold on. There oh man, there's so much I know that I, I couldn't I couldn't I didn't even want to stop you. So I didn't um but there are a couple things that I just want to reemphasize that you said that I think are important for listeners to know. Uh, one thing was that when you describe some of your background and what had happened before the affair itself, it it kind of goes against what the stereotypical "oh, this person has affairs" is, right? Like we totally. we as a society. I'll just speak from my perspective as someone who lives in a bubble sometimes. That you know, you think, oh, this is a a woman and a man who who have habits of being flirtatious or who have habits of doing bad things or, or whatever. You don't, you don't think they will grow up in a quote unquote Christian background. And it's, and I guess this links to the second thing is that the, I think you said the affair, it was a symptom to a bigger issue, right? Mm -hmm. It's that's the result. And that's, that's where the mistake happened. But there was so much going on in your life and probably Eric's life as well that led you to this point of, of brokenness that allowed you to, I don't want to say allow, but that put you in a position where you're more susceptible to making that mistake. Totally, And I think it's, again, it's, it's so important for people to know because when when we see or hear about affairs, we automatically think kind of like what you said in the beginning. Um, actually, I don't know if we said it on the call or if we said it before the call, but <laughs> you're the, the person, I'm trying to be anonymous here, the person who uh, almost jumped to the conclusion of ostracizing someone who had an affair because they just mm-hmm. assumed all these things. Totally. Some of it may be true, but some of it may be completely off base, and I think talking to you and hearing from your perspective of all the things that you just shared, it's—I mean, there are multiple moments I literally stopped breathing because I was like, "Oh my gosh! Like that's that's not something that I expected." And I want to turn this a little bit because I feel like your story ended up the best possible way it could, and. Totally that goes to say a lot about you and Eric, but also says a lot about Christian and Laura. So could you elaborate that a little bit?
2: Yeah. I mean, I would say that they were the game changers because I've met other people that have had struggles and they're like, man, my ex is not like yours. They're not really cooperating here, you know, in terms of like for the greater good, like let's say there's already been like a breakdown or a divorce and there's a remarriage. You don't, you even see like, even if, I mean, we're doubly lucky because our affair, like our affair together is what created the divorce. And they're still positive. You meet people that, let's say they got divorced from an affair. They end up meeting someone else completely separate that they remarry. And they still have issues with like exes and connecting. So like, we are really lucky. And I think it was, I mean, we had to sit down and we really had to, you know, say, okay, what is the primary goal here? If the primary goal is our children feeling loved. I'm feeling safe, then it's, we all have to get along. Like we just, it it can't be a a negotiable thing. And it was sometimes really calling each other out on those things, you know, and like in times where maybe Laura wasn't putting the kids first because it's, it's power, it's control, you know, like maybe it's not, you know, I mean, even with my kids, the older they've gotten, like Eric, you know, Kevin and I have a, a deal where we let the kids make of those decisions instead of pulling the power trip of well it's not you know your weekend or it's not your time you know meaning kids come first so in the divorce the kids had to come first and that is why say Kevin allowed me to move up here was because he was like I think all of our children being together matters the most and so I'm going to allow you you know to take them but it's not always the case and I've met lots of people that it isn't that way. And I think it first starts then with you, because while I can't control Laura and I can't control Kevin, we had to show as much effort in making things better for them, just because we were, I mean, they were the victims in this situation. And so part of it was allowing them to have certain, you know guidelines and rules that we you know had to follow with the kids and making sure that we have conversations all together with them like you know we didn't want to discuss certain things about the divorce that we didn't you know first talk with them about right um but i think i'm kind of lost on that one let me
1: so keep going with that question no i'm just i'm just wondering how it seems like you and laura especially are very good friends now and that boggles my mind because I mean, just surface level, right? You and Eric got together, the marriage broke up and I can't imagine what the things that she went through and then your guilt and all that. And now years later, we're sitting on a podcast and you're talking about having her as a guest on your show. And it's, how does it, how does that come to be? How?
2: Okay. Really? God. I mean, Mm -hmm. I would say it's, it's, I mean, and it. You know, I always say doesn't have to believe what it doesn't have to be what you believe it's just, you know, I know what I believe and I'm a big believer in forgiveness, love and the power of that. I mean, we go to church together now. Laura sits next to me this last Sunday at oh church.
3: Goodness.
2: Um, you know, because we see each other in a completely different way these days, you know, like if you can take the filters off of us as humans and we are really designed to just love everyone and really try to see each other for the seven-year-old you. I use that term because we all are like the childlike. Mm -hmm. It makes you love them more. I know Laura sees me as the seven-year-old hurt Amy that Mm. had no desire to ever hurt her or break up her marriage. I also see Laura as the seven-year-old that was broken even in her own marriage, no confidence to stand up for herself. You know, none of that either. I see the seven-year-old Eric that was very insecure that Needed that because he didn't have that mother love, he sought it out with other females all emotionally for many years because he was just trying to fill that void of like mother's approval, you know, mine was kind of the father's approval and that's super, super common, you know, but with. With her, it was God. I mean, it was us really just, I mean, I, I can't imagine a more forgiving heart than Laura's. And, mm-hmm. you know, she, she, I mean, we leave tomorrow for our business conference and Leilani stays with Laura when we're gone. Yeah. And Laura looks forward. I mean, Laura looks forward to it. And Leilani is like always thrilled to go to, you know, Laura's house yeah. and what it's done for the kids. like. I am so excited for, you know, Alyssa and Christian to get older and realize what a superhero mom may have in Laura. Oh, because no doubt, I mean, I already see it in Alyssa. Alyssa has one of the most loving hearts. I mean, she just loves everyone. And I'm like, it's not by accident that she's that way. She models something at home that sees that in her mom. And I know someday they'll grow up and be like, man, you are the real superhero of this situation because you've been able to, I don't, I, I mean... I don't think very many people could be able to look at someone else's child that really broke up in their eyes, that marriage and embrace them um, like their own. Yeah. You know?
1: Oh man. Okay. Um, I have a, just a couple questions that I wanted to ask you while I had you here. Um, Oh man, I'm like always short on breath on this one. Okay. So two 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 things that I was hoping that you could share to two different perspectives. Yeah. Um, For for one group of people, it's the the people who are quick to jump to conclusions about hearing somebody who had an affair. Like, oh, this person Mm -hmm. is, you fill in the blank. If you could have them and share with them one thing, be like, hey, this is what you need to understand to to stop... mm, What would you share with the people who are so quick to jump to conclusions?
2: I think that people that have, like, if they're in the middle of an affair, they're a mm-hmm. broken person. Like the person I was sharing at the beginning of the podcast that was this well-known person, I actually mm-hmm. reached out to that person and I said, I'm, I'm, I'm praying for you. I'm really, really sad for you because I know right now you are at a low place because I've been mm-hmm. there. Like it's, again, you're, because you don't like yourself, you're seeking out. It's no different than the person that gets addicted to say like spending money mm-hmm. or, you know, you're filling a void. The affair just happens to fill that void in your lack of self-love. And, you know, being, you know, someone that knows that God heals that for me, I had to find my real relationship with God Hmm. because I lived obviously a life of like that discipline life, meaning like I need to do these things because it's the right thing to do. No, I need to. I when you that's out of the discipline life, right? Like think about the authoritative parent, for example, I grew up in the family that it was like, don't do this. Don't do that. And you should just not do it because it's a rule. And then the kids that rebel, parents wonder why. And I started to learn, it's like, because when it's just out of like, because you have to do it, people feel forced. When you do it out of love, like when I finally had the relationship with God that I really looked for all my life, Mm -hmm. I no longer looked at like, say the commandments as rules, Mm -hmm. They're guidelines. He's just trying to protect me. So me, like, that's why all these little, like, even in our marriage, keeping those things, they're there to protect us. They're not to like, you know, cause us to feel like there's all these rules in our life. It's to protect you from making those mistakes. So once I started to see that, I mean, really all of my security, all of my um, love comes from him. I don't need to seek it out in anybody else. I don't, whether it be likes on instagram whether it be i'm trying to think of other people's outlets right it can be that's your fix is you start to become okay with who you are it's no longer your due i lived a life of thinking it was my due
3: Hmm.
2: always and so i guess that kind of attracted me into it at that point but i think the biggest stigma is you think that they're okay i think people really thought at the time there was someone that actually wrote a blog post about us at the time that said adulterers make ugly babies and it was like a picture it was Really terrible. Like we had some really crazy people, you know, that really hated on us because we were public. You know, I mean, Eric had a big online business. Mm-hmm. I had curls and way. Like we were, you know, well known in that. And so when that all came out, I mean, there were a lot of we lost business. We lost, you know, people didn't, you know, agree with us. I respected that. I even said to clients that I can understand if you don't want to work with me. I hope you know my skill set is not any different. Mm-hmm. But I can appreciate, you know, they don't want to really do that. What people don't see though is the person that's had the affair, there's nothing you can do or say that's gonna make them feel worse about themselves. Mm-hmm. Like I literally wanted to crawl and you know, I mean, I, I can't say I wanted to kill myself, but there's definitely times where you're like, I don't wanna wake up tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Like I don't I don't wanna be here. And so I think the biggest stigma is people think that they're just getting away with something. Mm-hmm. And really, I mean. They're not, they're, they're, they're in their own turmoil. You may not see it. They may even mask it with cars and money and all the other things, but it's again, it's just a symptom to the bigger, like they don't accept themselves,
1: Hmm. you know, the brokenness. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's more about the people being broken, not the necessary. Again, the action is a big mistake. Sure. And we understand that from this perspective, but at the same time, the, the, the deeper issue is the brokenness and that's what we need to understand as quote unquote onlookers instead of writing stupid articles on blogs.
2: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It and, the, is, it, uh, is. Hmm? and just the stigma. I mean, you know, I remember telling people like kind of nervous to say that, you know, I'd had a fair an affair. And because it is something that we I, I think we have made the stigma that people can't change. I mean, just in general in mental health, I think it's super important that we I mean, I'm I'm guilty of that too, that I I've labeled myself that way, hence me sometimes being afraid of sharing it. And that's just such a it's a terrible way to live if we don't ever feel like we can grow. It's like the person that's been incarcerated. Are they forever labeled that they can't ever be trustworthy? I know a couple of Arata men that are yeah. incredible, incredible humans that I would be sad that they have to still put 10, 20 years later on an application if they were a, a felon. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like it's something that we carry so much that, you know, not really fair.
1: Yeah, that's a false judgment that people make all the time It right. shouldn't be there. And same,
2: and, and same with the affair. It'd be like, oh, sure. You know, that was yeah. just, you know, they they got away with something. So much fun for them.
1: Yeah, if they only knew. The, the other side was uh, for someone who may be struggling right now, um, in, I don't want to say pre-affair per se, but like, you know, they have brokenness, they have self-worth issues. Um, what would be your advice for them in terms of I'm in this tough situation. I, I may be headed down that road. I don't want to be at, what do I do? What do I not do? Any words of advice there?
2: Yeah. The grass is not greener on the other side. It never is. I think a second marriage is even harder. Like I, I, do. I mean, even with us having probably more compatibility, I would say just the aspect of it being extra baggage that you bring in it that just adds like twenty strikes against you, right? But the big thing is if you're thinking it's it's not the solution. I had a friend that actually came to me, you know, years ago after my affair. She was in the middle, you know, of an affair. She came to me thinking, and we hadn't talked in like maybe several years, but she saw that I'd had a baby and reached out and, you know, I I'd, I'd said to her, run, run away from the affair and commit to your marriage. Like you owe it to at least your marriage, like to give it, say 90 days of no contact with that other person. Like I would have and if I wouldn't have gone through the counseling with Kevin back then when I got pregnant, I would have never forgiven myself simply because I feel like you should at least exhaust everything to try to work it out. You know, I don't think that children are a reason. Your only reason to stay? Are they a reason? Sure, a reason, but they should not be the reason you stay. Because if that becomes your reason, you'll have all sorts of other issues that will come into the marriage. You know, so if you're on the fence or if you've been, I mean, one, I don't think that you should be close, close with someone of the opposite sex. I just don't. I'm, I think that you need to have some guardrails in your relationship. And why do two adults that are, let's say you both are married like we were, why do two people of the opposite sex need to become such close friends at that point in their life? You know, it's kind of what we asked ourselves later. Yeah. And so it would just be a red flag for me where I'd be like, I don't think there's really any need for that because we can say we're the strongest people in the world. Like you could say you have the most conviction in something. But I once was told this, and it was so interesting. It was as a teenager and our our pastor, whatever you call it, would he put up on a chalkboard like a timeline. And at the beginning of the timeline, visualize it's like holding hands. And then a little further, it says kissing. Back then they called it necking, petting, mm. and <laughs> then like sex, right? And so the timeline goes down and he says, okay guys, I'm going to put my chalk up here. Let me know when to stop. You tell me when to stop. So he's kind of going slow to holding hands. So no one said stop. But once he got to like necking, petting, he just flew it off the board. Right. Uh And we go, we go, stop, stop, stop. And he goes, I did. And we're like, not in time. And he goes, that's my point. You can have the best intentions and you can think that you are the strongest person. Your intention was holding hands. You wanted to stop there, but you put yourself in a situation. Your hormones come into play.
3: Yeah.
2: And you're not even thinking. Add alcohol, like in our case, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so my thing is protect your environment. I, I mean, that's like my motto in everything: dieting, in my my business, in your relationship. Protect your environment. It's stronger than your willpower. Don't think that you're always going to be. You know, you might be having a fight with your spouse one day and and go into an old loop pattern and and flirt with someone you know Mm. i'm saying don't ever say you won't do something like that because the moment you say that you've already put your guard down to not see that your relationship needs to be a daily practice Mm. don't you know
1: all right everyone as you can tell amy provides so much value in basically every area of life um so i want to connect you all to her amy where is the best place for people to connect with you and find you
2: Probably Instagram, which is um, Amy underscore Ladine. I definitely share. I don't share as much as like on this, (laughs) but it is a place, you know, believe it or not, that is an area I've been working on. You know, just even just my own, you know, just being completely vulnerable here. I still fear people listening to this today and Mm -hmm. having those negative thoughts. You know, I want to be liked. I want to be accepted. I want. I want people to see the good in me too. And so that's that's a that's a hard one. But knowing on the other side, if one person is listening. That, one, maybe they're going through it and they just don't know how they're going to get on the other side. Or two, maybe they're the unforgiving. I I had a message on IG recently from a girl that said, you sharing really made me see you because I'm the wife to a spouse having an affair. It ruined his military career. So he lost his job due to the affair. And she goes in for years. I've, I've blamed that other woman. And she goes, but I'm hearing you and I'm listening to you. And she's just as broken. Like she's Mm -hmm. a broken person too. And I was like, I was crying in my voice message back to her because she shared so much with me. But I'm like, I'm so happy that I'm providing that for you because you're the person I'm scared of. I'm scared of the person that like just wants to attack me, you know, but it made her see a different side too, that she's like, wow, I never looked at her even in a human way. I didn't even try to see her in her shoes and what she's hurting from. Mm
1: Okay. So that's an Instagram, Amy Ledeen, A-M-Y underscore L-E-D-I-N. Okay. Amy Ledeen, the Broncos fan. (laughs) All right. Last thing, Uh, I would love for this to continue, but again, I value your time and I value the audience's time. I don't want to keep you for days because that's what I would ask you to do. Um, What is one unique thing that's relatively unknown? Relatively? You know what I mean? What's one thing that's unique about you, Amy?
2: One thing, um, I don't know if it's unknown, but a unique thing that, and it's almost like it's become a quirk, is I have to find the silver lining in everything. Oh. So it, in the moment, no matter what I got it, even if it's just in my head, it could be, I missed a flight. I I have to find a silver lining or at least put the intention out like, Oh, Hey, you know, and it doesn't matter what it is. So it could, and sometimes it's to a fault. People get really annoyed because it could be a really <laughs> bad moment. And then I'm like, Well, the silver lining, (laughs) but that's probably my unique thing.
1: (laughs) Was there, is there a specific example of a bad moment that happened? Oh
2: gosh, (laughs) I've had a lot of bad, um, you know, like we're getting ready to go to the conference and Mm -hmm. you know, the gym that we were supposed to be having our whole conference at, they sold to another owner. Oh, and see. we were basically going to have to, you know, we we're out a gym. I'm like, well, the silver lining is we get to see what other gyms are out there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you got to see, you know, you have because if you don't, I think you go through life just, you know, seeing the negative, right? Whereas,
1: but default, gotta, yeah,
2: I, yeah. Whereas if your default becomes the positive, I heard John Maxwell say this once: is he was missing a flight, he looked around, and he was like, "There's someone here that I'm going to have to connect with." Like that's why I'm like. Always seeing the good and everything. Like, all right, well, I'm in traffic because I might have missed the accident
3: ahead.
1: Yeah, good old John Maxwell. <laughs> so, he's he's a wise yeah. one. Awesome.
3: Uh,
1: well, Amy, thank you so much for being with us today and sharing so much about your story. Uh, one thing that I want to reemphasize for the audience is that we we focus in on one issue, and the reason why I wanted to connect you to Amy outside of this podcast is because there's so much more to her than just what we talked about today. Uh, she happens to be someone who has that experience, so she's more than willing to share that with us. But there's, there's so much more to the people that we talk about. There's so much more to their stories, and we want you to see that. So again, Amy, thank you for giving us your time. Everyone, until next time.
0: So there you have it. I really want to thank Paul Kim for allowing me to share this podcast episode on my podcast and for more episodes where he goes through these misconceptions that lead to division and conflict in our society, go follow him on Apple Podcasts under the podcast name Operation Dichotomy. And if you know someone that maybe needs this message, share this. Share this on social media. Screen, screenshot it and tag me in it, Amy underscore Ladine. I'd love to see all of you that have shared these. And I'm looking forward to more episodes as I bring my husband on to do a part two Where we talk about his history and how we ended up here how we've brought our families together you know and how you know we've been very blessed to be on this side of infidelity but that it's not easy it's been a very long road and um you know not something that we take lightly as a family and not something i take lightly and this is why i wanted to share this here as much as it's hard to to open up this area of me i hope that you get something from this podcast today Hey guys, thank you so much for spending your time with me on the Effort Podcast. I'm so glad that you stopped by. If you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would love it, that would be absolutely amazing and I would be forever grateful. And if you feel so moved, please leave me an honest review on iTunes. It would really help me on my journey to helping thousands and thousands of people in creating their best self.